Welcome to the podcast. I'm Owen, and I'm your host. Today, I'm talking to Garrett Sheets, who's a wildlife and nature photographer. Garrett has traveled to multiple countries through multiple different organizations, taking pictures and working to conserve the environments that he's shooting in. Please enjoy the episode. All right. To start off, just give me a give me a bio. Just talk, explain like who you are, what you do, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'm Garrett Sheets. I'm 21 years old now, and I've been photographing nature and wildlife for about eight years now. Uh, I got my first serious DSLR when I was a freshman in high school. It was a Canon 60D and a Tamron 150 to 600, I think. It's like F5 to 6.3, but beginner setup, but it was good enough, you know, and uh, I was fortunate enough to travel a lot with my school. So I was going all over the world to Europe and Africa and South America. And it was great for birding, which is kind of where my passion started. So it's it's pretty common theme, I think, with like a lot of young bird photographers. But, you know, started birding and then taking ID shots from there. And then, um, yeah, I'm basically just a photographer now. I love birding, but I only bird with my camera lens pretty much. And so, yeah, I've been all over taking pictures, just got back from Alaska. Um, uh, last fall, I was in Ecuador and Galapagos. Um, but yeah, I just love photographing wildlife, birds. Um, and also I've kind of been expanding into more like landscape or even um, like lifestyle photography, incorporating people into images as well. Um, and I enjoy doing like some conservation photography. I'm not as great at it. Like I, I can kind of classify um, Ray Hennessy and a lot of the people from Nampa and that, that kind of stuff is like conservation photography because he's really good at incorporating, you know, like the landscape, the habitat and things like that, um, which it really takes a good eye, a practice eye for that. So that's one thing I'm working on still, but yeah, I, I like doing tied up portraits, sharp photos, action shots, um, things like that. So yeah definitely how did you like so you said you travel with your school how did that work what were you traveling for so we have uh in high school it was kind of just uh international immersion programs and so if you raised some money and you know signed up you could go to south africa to help um, build infrastructure teach classes um and then after we finished that kind of stuff, we would, you know, go on a safari or I was able to do some bird walks and things. So things like that. So South Africa, Spain, Jordan, Israel, Dominican Republic, um, Costa Rica and Peru. So a lot of different things to that. That's really cool. That's yeah. nice that your school had those options to travel. Definitely. And you don't have to like plan it too much or spend a ton of money on that. That's really awesome. Right. Yeah, so it's a you, lot of work to plan stuff on my own. So yeah, <laughs> I'm right. kind of glad that worked out. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely nice to have that. My school doesn't really have too much of that, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So you said you just got back from Alaska. Where were you? Were you shooting pictures there? Yeah, I was with a couple of photographers photographing bears and um, a lot of the nesting birds in the area. Um, saw great looks got great looks at horn grebes um, pacific loons 
and actually read Throated Loons too, which is really cool. Um, and, you know, just a lot of birds up there. Went to Iliamna Lake with Gary Farber. Um, well, Hans Foda, you, you probably know them. Um, really popular name. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great time up there. That's super pictures cool. and things. So how'd you like get started with that? How'd you, uh, get on that trip? Um, you know, I don't even really know. I was just talking to Cameron, uh, Darnell, do you know, Cameron? No, I don't. Uh, he's another really good photographer. Um, he does a lot of like, I guess it classified as like Matthew Studebaker, Glenn Bartley, kind of like really nice ID portraits incorporating, you know, good aspects of the landscape and lighting and things like that. But yeah, he's a great photographer um, and he helps kind of lead some of the areas of the trip because he's been to Alaska, I think a few times with uh, some of his photography friends. So it was kind of just a group of us out there, Eliamna Lake taking pictures. And yeah. That's really it was only cool. like a week or so, but yeah. Um, Did you get yeah. any any remarkable shots? Any notable shots while you were there? Yeah, yeah that definitely. Out? I mean, um, yeah, it was. I mean, there were other photographers that were there, like Tobias Yoder. He's uh, another young photographer that I think is really good at like creating a scene and telling a story with the pictures and not just capturing your basic portrait. And so, you know, learning from the other photographers like him, it was really cool to, you know, practice different styles of images, not just take like tight portraits. So yeah, I was really excited with the pictures I got, um, especially the last morning, there was fog on the Hornigree pond. And so kind of snuck in, it was like 4 a.m. or so, 5 a.m. And um, got great shots of the fog with you know pine trees and the mountains and the sunrise and everything so i don't know if you posted that but that's pretty sick no yeah i have a lot of photos from that so i'm still working on it yeah do you travel with an organization i saw like you do some work with um some like conservation organization yeah so that's um SACOT, and it actually it's an abbreviation for a, a spanish name but it's basically a sustainable organization that's in conjunction with the University of Washington. And they're based in Puerto Maldonado, Peru. And they lead kind of tours and workshops for locals, especially from the local village of Puerto Maldonado. Um, it's like a couple hours uh, plane ride and boat ride from um, Cusco, Peru. But they, yeah, they'll lead like conservation workshops i led the photography workshop and so they'll kind of work side by side setting up like mist net for birds catching the birds leading, learning about them and then learning how you know you can take pictures of them and then how, how you can use those pictures to create a conservation effort and things like that so that's what we've been doing and i've been doing that for a few years covid kind of threw a wrench into that so i haven't been able to make it down there in a in a couple years but yeah, that's, that's one thing I'm really excited about too. Yeah. How'd you get started doing that? So uh, my friend Ross Furbush, he was a bio teacher at my same high school. He got me in touch with the lady that ran this program in Peru. And so I was able to send her a resume and get on a Zoom call with her um, back in spring of 2019, I think, or 2018. And 
yeah, things kind of just unfolded the right way. And Ross kind of paved the way for that because he's good friends with her and he's worked in that program before, but yeah, it was nice just to meet with them. And it worked out first. The first time I did it, it was kind of um, me learning the ropes and things. Cause I was only like 18 at the time. So I had to learn how to work with people, teach people. Um, and even some of them didn't speak English. So that was part of a learning curve too. But yeah. That's a really cool experience. That must've been yeah. like really, I don't know, tough, I guess. Just kind of like thrown in the deep end, especially since oh, definitely. They, didn't, they didn't speak English. I mean, I'm, yeah, I've traveled internationally before, but that was different just because I went to such a remote location and, you know, it was like a 30 minute boat ride down from the main village, which was still remote. So it was like in the middle of the Amazon. Um, no, nothing like really, you know, it wasn't really close to civilization, cold showers, you know, everything was kind of pumped from the natural, you know, habitat and everything around you. So you really felt like, like you were immersed in the Amazon experience. That's really cool. That yeah. sounds like such a good experience. That sounds like so fun. Yeah. All right. So you said, I mean, you talked a bit about conservation photography and how you're trying to get a bit better at that. How does that differ? You mentioned maybe like having a larger frame and getting more things into the into the frame, but how does that differ from like other kind of photography? I think you just have to have the right intention going into the photo and not just, you know, zoom in, take the picture and you have a clean background with a sharp bird or sharp subject. You know, if, if you're going to take a picture like that, I think you would need to think about, you know, your, your lighting, your focus, your aperture, like, you know, everything that you can you regularly think about, but expanding that to include more aspects. But I think, you know, one thing I'm still learning is not to make it too cluttered, like having too many things going on in the background or trying to include too many aspects to like tell a story that it just gets too clustered and you can't really tell what, what the point of the image is. Um, and so I remember Tobias got this shot when we were in Alaska, that was perfect. Um, there was male and female grebe that, you know, came up to us on the bank and they were kind of in the lower third um, lower left third of the image and the rest was it was clear water with mosquitoes on it as well which adds a really cool aspect because the whole place was covered in mosquitoes and um, in the background you kind of have the sunset with the mountains and the pine trees and I don't know I think it was just it was perfect I like example of what I think that would look like um, and then Ray Hennessy like just thinking about some of the stuff he posts on Instagram he does a good job of leaving a lot of intentional space. And I think intentional space is a great way to put a lot of weight on other aspects, um, not just the bird or whatever you're photographing, but um, if there's like colors in the ripples, if there's um, branches or plants in the foreground or background that, you know, you want to include that tells something about the habitat, you know, just things like that. I'm no pro, but that's what I've kind of learned so far. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Those images definitely are better instead of just like a like a technically proficient portrait. It's it's more of like a like a story, I guess. Right. Yeah. You know, it's it's difficult to take those pictures too because it just takes a lot more skill and a lot more thinking behind it. Right. 
how important do you think those are in terms of like i guess conserving obviously just decreasing the amount of habitat that's lost and just um i guess educating people do you think that's like a really important part of it i don't really study a lot of the you know conservation behind that i'm personally a business econ major in, in college so you know, I don't have the opportunities to really go into detail and depth to see how that really relates. Um, I think for me, I appreciate it from a conservation perspective because I see how it inspires other people to appreciate those aspects because photography is really growing, especially bird and wildlife photography with the new cameras from Sony and, you know, Canon and Nikon. You can really take a bird picture pretty easily nowadays. It doesn't take too much skill. But I think the challenge that is starting to become more popular in this community is, you know, including those aspects and making a, a picture like that, you know, that has more depth, more weight to it. So, and, you know, when you, when you learn about the aspects of what you're photographing, it kind of ties you into that conservation aspect as well. So letting those images kind of inspire others um, kind of encourages them to learn about it from a conservation perspective. So I think it just helps the photography community in general. Yeah, definitely. I think we're going to start seeing more of that. I feel like that's, I mean, not new, but like, I feel like it is definitely getting more important. Yeah, for sure. So do you have a favorite photo or maybe just a photo that has like a, a cool story behind it? You know, I wish I could say I had one right off the top of my head. Um, favorite photo. I have some with some interesting stories behind them. Um, a couple of years ago, I photographed a white-headed woodpecker nest um, in California, which was pretty special just because I haven't seen a lot of pictures of those. And in order to get the picture, I had to kind of scout the location figure out where they were coming from flying to the nest cavity it was probably 50 feet up in the air so i found like a pine tree that was at a safe distance away so i wasn't disturbing them and i put my camera in my, back, in my backpack strapped it on um kind of made a makeshift harness and climbed to the tree climbed the tree at like 50 feet up or whatever um and you know started getting these pictures and it was a bit sketchy, but those are the best kinds of photos. So it was fun. That's so rad. You just like climbed a tree. <laughs> Did you have gear for that or were you just like in the tree? No, I was like, that's a, I was like, that's a white headed whip. Come on. Like, what are you, what are you going to do? So I, I strapped it on and I climbed up and I was like, not the best idea, but I got the shot. And what kind of tree was this? Good. Oh, some big, big pine, pine tree or coniferous tree. Was it like in the a, middle of nowhere too? Was it like straight or was it? Yeah, was no, it they were climbing straight. Oh, it was no. a good climbing tree. I tested the branches before I put things on, and there you go. My makeshift harness kind of worked. So that's <laughs> that's so funny. That's so cool. That is a good way to get eye level with the birds. It is. Woodpeckers are tough too, because unless you have like a setup with, you know, suet and seed and things, and like a branch you can't really like get eye level shots with them unless you climb trees or like change your elevation. So 
Yeah, I exactly. guess there, there could have been better ways to get a picture of a white-headed woodpecker, but that's really not a cooler one. No, yeah, for sure. So that's that's one of my favorites. And then, um, gosh, I know I know there's others. I'm thinking. I was just recently in Ecuador on a abroad for my college um, this fall, and I got a picture. I still haven't posted anywhere, but it's in my catalogs of uh, a blue footed booby. That's what it was. And it was diving into the water as we were snorkeling. And I, it was just with my GoPro. So it's nothing like super high quality, but you can see it going into the water. Um, kind of like, you know, like the half, half water, half, you know, sky picture. And you see it like going into the water as it's diving for the fish. I wish I could have gotten like the fish in the picture, but that's definitely one of my favorites as well. Dang, that's so cool. Were you like ready for that or were you, was that just like a thing that happened? I was, they've been like, they were diving around us a lot. So I was trying to watch them and figure out when I could time it and get a shot like that. So I turned on like the 10 photo burst on the GoPro. It takes like 30 seconds to buffer in between each photo. So you have to like be really intentional, but um, yeah. I'll definitely want to go back with like an actual underwater camera to the Galapagos and like get pictures like uh, Paul Nicklin and, you know, people like that. But yeah, that was a really special place for sure. Yeah, definitely. That sounds like such a cool picture. Yeah. That's definitely one that's like, I don't know, you don't see every day. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the reason why I haven't posted it is just because it's not, in my opinion, like the best quality. Yeah. Like it's with a GoPro, it's kind of foggy or like the water was dark and oh, it's over overexposed and things, but right, cool story behind it. Yeah. You have some really nice photos though. A lot of your photos have Thank like you. kind of like creamy almost backgrounds. Like I'm just kind of looking at your Instagram here, just a few of them. Um, like the there's a recent one. I think it's recent anyway. Um that's a couple of turns in front of a mountain. Like that one's like really nice and like. Oh, the Bonaparte a... skulls. Oh, that's what they that... are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the two in like the bottom right corner to get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was in Alaska. Um, that's probably one of my favorite pictures of this year. Uh, but they were fishing in like the surrounding lake, um, lake shore, and they both perched up on that. I'm pulling it up so I can remember that yeah, I perched on that log or rock, whatever it is. And gosh, it, Alaska was nice because golden hour lasted for like an hour and a half. It was perfect. So there was no stressing. There was no like running or like fear of missing out because, you know, you're not in the right place at the right time because you know, there was only a certain amount of light. But yeah, it started getting nice at like 9.30 p.m., 10 o'clock. And then you had until like probably 11 1130 with like nice golden light into pastel hour. So that was right probably 1045 PM or so. But yeah, there's just like a nice warm glow from the sunset. So dang, that's so cool. Yeah, I love that image. Yeah, for sure. A lot of your images have like very bright colors, I guess but then also like some paler colors is is that just like a style that like looks nice to you or like how did you kind of develop that so 
I think with a lot of people, I'm still kind of figuring out editing as a part of my photography. You know, like looking through my Instagram too, I'm like, I can't believe I edited some of these the way I did. <laughs> I'm kind of like looking back cringing, but, I'm, but you know, it's still part of the process learning. I think right now my favorite way um, to process images is just like keeping colors natural and photographing with as much pastel lighting as I can. Um, so a lot of my more recent posts kind of I'm trying to go in that direction. If that's not, if you, you can't tell, but with like the brighter colors, I think that helps uh, more social media to get people's attention and see it, which is kind of, it's, it's unfortunate, but social media these days is kind of like the only way to do anything with photography. So yeah, it's, I, I enjoy like looking for pictures that will give me those bright colors. Like if I'm photographing a heron and there's like a red house behind it, I have one picture from a while ago, but I moved so I could have the red, like the reflection of the red house with the hair. And it's like not as natural, but the color in that image, just like it pops. So, yeah, for sure. Social media is definitely not like, I don't know, geared toward the natural, like nature photographer. No, it's not. I think, well, it is, it is changing, I think a bit because um, having a presence on social media. Um, I don't know the guy's name, but his handle, I think is S keys images or something. Yeah. He, he does a great job of having a personality on his account and he'll, he'll post like really natural images and great shots and everything. Um, but he has such like a great personality with his audience and like connection. And I think that's becoming a lot more common. Um, so that's something I'm working on too, cause I'm not, like the most like out there on social media so it's hard to like develop a relationship because to me I'm like I'm not gonna be like an influencer and some person blogging whatever but you know I think I think social media is changing with reels and tiktok and stuff so it's important to show who you are and stuff so yeah I feel like it's kind of hard for like bird and wildlife photographers to do that because we're all posting like pictures of birds obviously so like I feel like it's kind of hard to I don't know I guess develop your personality online hold on sorry I think I'm frozen can yeah. you hear me I can hear you your video's frozen though all right you're good now Okay, it yeah, just perfect. stopped. It was like robot for like a minute. Okay. Can <laughs> yeah, you hear no, me? Gonna... Yeah. Okay. What perfect. was your last question? I missed it. Uh, what is it? Oh, so like... You know, I think you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> I'm still working on that. I'm trying to figure it out because, you know, I'm, I'm a bird guy. I'm a wildlife nature guy. Yeah, man. I'm not like a... I'm not like some spokesperson. Me too. So, you know, I'm figuring that out. Maybe it's reels, maybe it's stories or something, but yeah, or even just like making interesting captions describing how you took the photo, like right, can be good so people understand what you do and things. But um, what do you think of face reels? Behind, oh, that's that's another thing too. I think bigger picture. I think Instagram's ruining itself, but <laughs> I do too. I think like they're just stepping on 
their feet, they're kicking themselves. It's just like reels are just asking to be TikTok in my opinion. And as a photographer, I think we can like all of photographers, we can agree that it's hard to show your pictures these days because your followers aren't going to see them really maybe like 20% if that, which that's actually a good engagement rate, but mm-hmm. yeah, no one really sees them unless it's like a video or something like that. And so when you spend, I don't know, $6,000 on a camera setup, just to have your photo get like 10 views, it's you start to kind of question why you're posting. Yeah. Right. I just pulled up my most recent post. Yep. Look at that. Look at that pie chart. <laughs> Zero <laughs> non-followers. Yep. Dog, gotta love it. I, I hate it. Gotta love it. It's because you gotta have the hashtags. I'm trying to find one like that on mine. And I just don't do it's, hashtags. I gotta be real. <laughs> I know. It's just a lot of work. Like this is. I mean, that one's kind of average, but like you got to be more than a photographer these days. You got to be an influencer. You got to be a marketer. You have to like market yourself as literally like a company almost and understand like almost all aspects of social media just to like maybe get, you know, five new people looking at your photos. So, yeah, I think that Twitter might be the new place for photographers. I've heard that. I like, haven't I haven't given it time yet, but dude, give it a shot. Like this is one of my more recent. It's got like 4300. Oh wow. Um one of my So when you post to Twitter, do you post just like a singular photo with the caption? Is that it or is there like a special way you need to do it like Instagram? I mean, it really just depends on what your goal is. Right now, I'm trying to just, like, build my following. So I'll just, like, post one of my photos and then just say something like, like, a prompt, like, drop a photo like this shot, like, after my caption. And so it's, like, it kind of gives some people something to do in the comments as opposed to just, like, saying, like, cool photo. They'll, like, be like, hey, look at mine. And then it, like, gets way more engagement that way. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that's a good thing to do is like give people something to respond to. Right. Because it's hard just to scroll right past that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I don't think Instagram is the place, even though I really like the grid. I think the grid is nice. And just making it is. Like There's something cool. about it. It looks cool. The colors, you know, you can make a nice palette and a nice theme with your pictures. Like, if you have a bunch of pictures with green backgrounds, you post them near each other and you have like a green theme for a while, which is what I was doing for a bit. But yeah. Yeah, I'd, think... I'd be interested to try out Twitter, see how that goes. Yeah, for sure. I think that the Visco grid is the best. I think that's really? an unpopular opinion, but the Visco grid, they like do like the masonry thing. So it'll be like a square next to a rectangle. And it, like, keeps all their original aspect ratios. Hmm. I don't know, though. I I was never on Visco, so I don't know. Just a few of my friends have it, so it's not, like, a real photography thing. But Is that on, like, the Visco app, or 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's like really close it's to like... Instagram, but okay. it's just a little different. Yeah. So I don't have too like much an time. Old man. I, I don't know what that <laughs> stuff is. <laughs> Kids these days. Yeah. So we're kind of getting to the end of the episode. I two. Okay. And I like to ask the question, what's one thing you recommend that everyone buy that's under $100? It can be something to for like photography or anything, really. Just something that's like useful that you'd recommend. That's a good question. There's a lot of different ways you could go. I think fast memory cards are huge, but that's just because I like to shoot like high res video and as fast frame rate as I can. Um, but see, a good camera bag is always important, but that's probably going to be a little over 100. Oh, okay. I think organization is huge with your photos and like your memory cards and everything because it's easier just to like, for me, I just have a cleaner space to like think and do things so if that's investing in a hard drive um and you know other ways you can create organization within your workflow i think that's i think that's huge that that would be it that's a good answer i like that it's definitely good to not have your all your photos just cluttered on a hard drive but folders are key yeah folders you know lightroom has good stuff with catalogs um and also calling images is important too but that's a whole nother conversation yeah all right well thanks for being on you want to plug your socials yeah instagram is g sheets photography uh i have a website garrett sheets photography.com i think that's it um and that's pretty much where i'm at right now but maybe maybe twitter soon we'll see how that goes Perfect. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. It was a good time. That's a wrap for this episode. Please remember to like, and subscribe on YouTube and subscribe and leave a review on all podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.